The Jets declined Makai Becton's fifth-year option, which means that the former first-round pick will be a free agent after the 2023 season. This does not mean the Jets are done with Becton, however. He's a critical player in the upcoming season. We'll discuss it all on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. Thanking you so much for making this show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to this podcast for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so that you get new episodes as soon as they are posted. If you're listening on a podcast source and enjoy the show, please give it a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the podcast out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. Well, the Jets made a major decision on Tuesday. I I think they probably made it well in advance of Tuesday, but they declined Makai Becton's fifth-year option. That means Makai Becton will be a free agent after the 2023 season. So let's get back to the very beginning on this. So what does that mean they declined the fifth-year option? Well, first-round picks receive a four-year contract after they're drafted. But the contract includes a team option for the fifth year. So the team can say, you know what, we want to keep you around for the fi- for a fifth year. If the team decides, yes, we're doing it, then the player ha- then that becomes a five-year contract. The team needs to make the decision on whether or not to pick up the fifth-year option after the player's third season. So it's in the offseason after the player's third NFL season that the team decides either we're going to keep you around for a fifth year or we're not, or we're going to let you become a free agent. We're, we're going to decline the option, and it's a four-year contract. You're entering year four. Next year, you're a free agent. So that, that those are the basics. So the Jets had to make a decision on Becton because he was their first-round pick in 2020. He's now through three NFL seasons, although he really hasn't played much in the last two. The amount of money that the player gets is determined by a number of factors, including their position. It's also determined by how, much, how many snaps they've played. It's also determined by wh- whether or not they've made a Pro Bowl or even multiple Pro Bowls. So the option for Becton was $13.5 million, and that amount would be fully guaranteed. So you, know, you look at this, and it's a no-brainer for a lot of reasons. And it's changed. The, the rules behind the fifth-year option have changed. In the past, it, it was actually very different. Um, in the, now, in the past, and this was from like 2011 through 2020, that was under the old collective bargaining agreement, the fifth-year option, and that's when the fifth-year option first was instituted, the fifth-year option used to be something that was not a guaranteed contract. So a team could pick up the fifth-year option and then cut the player before the fifth year began. Now the fifth-year option is fully guaranteed. So if you pick up the option, that means that money is guaranteed no matter what. you got to pay the player no matter what. In the old days, that was not true. In the old days... It, it was not guaranteed until the player's fifth year began. So you could again, you could pick up the you could pick up the option before year four. You could let year four play out, and if you did not want to keep the player, you could cut him. That's actually what the Jets did with Quinton Copels back in 2015. They picked up his fifth year option, and they decided, you know what, we don't want to do this. So they cut him during his fourth season, and they were off the hook. They did not owe Quinton Copels a fifth year option. Now it's fully guaranteed, no matter what. The only exception in the old days, in the old days, the fifth year option was 
guaranteed if the player suffered a catastrophic injury that prevented him from playing in his fifth season. So, you know, even under the old rules, the Jets probably would not have picked up Becton's contract because the risk there is that the player suffers a serious injury. And in Becton, you have a guy who suffered two, two consecutive serious injuries in back-to-back years. The finances have changed as well. In the old days, it used to be based on your draft position, how much you got paid. Picks, the top 10 picks, essentially, they, the fifth-year option for the top 10 picks under the old rules were that you got a, you got a one-year salary based on the salary of, the, of a player who got the transition tag at your position if you were a top 10 pick. And then if you were 11 through 32, it was, it was essentially the average of the third, and 25th, the third through 25th salaries at your position. Now it's based on the things I mentioned. Now it's based on things like playing time. It's based on, did you make a Pro Bowl? So Becton's cap hit was was lower in this regard. But this was a no-brainer. I, I don't think there was any way the Jets could have picked up this, this fifth-year option because, again, you would have guaranteed Mekhi Becton around $13.5 million next year. And this is a guy who really has not played since 2020. He suffered back-to-back serious injuries. This was a total non-starter. I'm actually surprised in the fan base that this was a topic of debate because... There was just no way the Jets could do it. And part of the reason that there was no way the Jets could do it is what sort of contract do you think Mekhi Becton's going to get after the season? Let's say he plays a great 2023, and the Jets certainly need it. Jets are depending on him. He's the starting right tackle. They need him to play really well and block for Aaron Rodgers because they did not pick up anybody in the draft in the first two rounds at the tackle position. So the Jets really are depending on Mekhi Becton this year. So they want him to have a great year. This is... By no means a move that means the Jets are done with Mekhi Becton. It's just a risk-reward. The Jets are hoping Mekhi Becton plays well. They need him to play well, but hope is not a strategy. And even if Mekhi Becton has a phenomenal season, let's say Mekhi Becton goes to the Pro Bowl, how much money do you think he's getting next year? Because you also have to factor in the injuries that he suffered. You have to factor in the fact he's missed two of, two of his first three seasons in the league. So if he has a great season this year, it'll be two of his first four seasons that he missed. But that's the type of thing that lowers the amount of salary you can command. So even if Becton plays great this year, how much more than $13 million a year is he getting? Probably, I mean, it's probably in that ballpark, I would guess. So let's say, you know, we get up to, I don't know, $15, 16000000 million. You know, Orlando Brown, an excellent young tackle, just got $16 million. So that's $3 million more than we're talking about what the Jets would have had to pay Becton if they picked up this option. So let's say Becton, you know, plays great and he gets a contract worth $16 million it's really only cost you $3 million. And I think if you look at the risk-reward ratio here, it's much more likely that the Jets would, requ- re- would regret picking up this option than it is that they would regret you know, not picking it up. I don't think it's a scenario where the Jets fail to pick this up, Becton has a big season, and then suddenly he's, he's out of the Jets' price range. Because his price range is, may, you know, maybe they cost themselves a few million dollars, but the risk is much greater that they pick up this option for $13 million, and he either does not play up to that standard or he gets injured again, in which case you're, you're, you know, you cost yourself $13 million. So to me, this was a no brainer. I, I can't, I'm very surprised that people went into today feeling like there was any drama here. I can't imagine the Jets were seriously considering picking up this option. It just made no sense. And again, it's not a commentary on Becton. I mean, it's a commentary on Becton from the standpoint that he's been injured the last couple of years. It's not a commentary on what the Jets think of Becton going forward. There's all the talk this offseason about how he's in great shape. I mean, he was in great shape heading into the training camp last year, too, lest we forget. And it's not his fault he's gotten injured. But the Jets certainly are hoping for the best with Becton. That doesn't mean that they needed to pick up this option, though. And 
if Becton plays great this year and earns a salary more than $13 million, it's a great thing for the Jets. And I don't think anybody should cry that, you know, if he gets a $16, $17 million contract, I don't think anybody should cry over 3 to $4 million. It means he played great. It means that the, the Jets got great play out of the right tackle position this year. So this really, to me, was... I, I'm surprised that there was this much... Dra- people viewed it as a, as a dramatic selection. I'm surprised that people thought that, you know, there was a chance the Jets would pick it up. It really was high-risk, low-reward for the Jets to pick up this option. They can let this Becton situation play itself out. And the other thing, it's only for one year. It's not like you'd be locking in that $13 million price tag for five years. It'd essentially be the, for just the first year of a new contract. The Jets may save a few million dollars. So with all this in, in play, the Jets had no choice here. This was never something they could even consider picking up. And I think that looking going forward, the Jets certainly hope Becton plays at a level where they look back on this. And, you know, they want to bring Becton back in 2024. If that happens, then it's been, it's been a pretty good year for the New York Jets. And certainly, I think there's optimism growing. There's always off-season optimism about a player returning from injury, even somebody who's missed two straight years like Becton. Hopefully, he can turn it around. But this this was just not a price the Jets could do it. Now, if Becton, you know, if the fifth-year option was like $7 million, then I could see it. Then you, might, then you might be tempted by it because it's a low price, and you say, well, maybe we can squeeze a good season out of him. At $13.5 million, the Jets could just could not do this. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast, we'll continue talking about some off-season developments. Believe it or not, I think the Jets are actually going to get some compensatory draft picks this year, and I'll tell you why. I'll explain what that means. I'll, we'll discuss compensatory picks ahead as we continue this Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You Knicks fans are probably very excited. The Knicks are in the second round playing the Miami Heat. Well, you should make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Of course, the Knicks did drop game one on Sunday, which means that the Miami Heat now have home court advantage in their second round series. But you're still pulling for your team, and the Knicks still have a shot to make it to the conference finals. And there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports books. If you want to lay money down on your favorite team or you just want to put some money down on some of the NBA playoff action, visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Guess what? The Jets are looking at getting some compensatory draft picks in 2024. Now, if you're not familiar with the compensatory draft pick system, every year the NFL gives teams extra draft picks if they lose more than they gain in free agency. And it's always for the previous year. So the teams that got compensatory draft picks in 2023, they were the teams that lost more than they gained in free agency in 2022. Last year in the 2022 draft, the compensatory picks were given out for teams that lost more than they gained in free agency in 2021. This year, the Jets lost more than they gained, according to the compensatory pick system. So in 2024, they are on the verge of gaining some draft picks. And this is, I think this is a big day for a lot of Locked On Jets listeners, because each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag. In fact, tomorrow on Locked On Jets, we're going to have our weekly mailbag, at least it's scheduled, unless there's a major news development that we need to talk about. And every year around this time, Somebody asks a mailbag question, are the Jets going to get compensatory picks this year? And the answer is always no. And part of the reason is that the Jets have been so bad through the years, especially recent years, that there was no way that they were going to lose more than they gained in free agency. First of all, 
the players that they lost were not very good. Second of all, the team was so bad that they needed to add pieces. They needed to add players. They did not have the luxury of just sitting out free agency to try and gain extra draft picks. Now, I will say, this is a surprising year that for the Jets to gain compensatory draft picks. Not a year I was expecting them to do it because, of course, they got Aaron Rodgers. And when you get Aaron Rodgers, you'd think you're all in. And the Jets certainly tried to sign some big-name free agents. You know, they were in on guys like Odell Beckham Jr., Calais Campbell, uh, Fletcher Cox. Um, you know, there were, there's some other guys, Jake Brendel from the 49ers. Now, not all, not all of those guys counted towards the compensatory pick system because players who were cut do not count towards compensatory picks. I don't believe a player like Odell Beckham, who sat out last season, counts either. But I would have thought that the Jets would have loaded up in free agency. They did not, however. They have really a quiet free agent period. So... Um, over the cap, the great cap website actually has a page where they list the projections for compensatory draft picks. And they actually have a guy out there, a really smart analyst, who kind of a few years back reverse engineered the NFL's formula for these picks. It was a mystery for a long time. It was viewed as a very complex system. And they had somebody at Over the Cap who kind of figured it out. He kind of cracked the code. So now Over the Cap each year has a page where they lay out how each pick was acquired. And essentially what it boils down to is the system is much simpler than a lot of us realized. Essentially, for every player you lose, you get a compensatory pick. Now, if you sign a player, however, that cancels out each player you lose. So if I lose a guy and sign a guy, well, those two cancel each other out. If I lose two guys and sign one guy, then I get one pick. If I lose three and sign two, I get, I get one pick. If I lose three and sign one, I get two picks. And essentially, after all this canceling out is done, the league looks at the highest salary. So then the picks are awarded by highest salary. So the highest four salaries get a third-round pick. The next get a fourth-round pick. The you know, lower salaries still get a fifth-round pick. So the way that they, they've put this together, and it's, it's on a page again, it's on overthecap.com, the Jets lost three more players than they signed this offseason. So they are on the verge of collecting three compensatory picks. Now, they lost Sheldon Rankins and Nathan Shepard, those losses, however, were canceled out by the signings of Alan Lazard and Nicole Hardman. So Rankins is canceled out by Lazard. Shepard is canceled out by Hardman. However, the Jets lost three additional players. They lost Nate Herbig, they lost Mike White, and they lost Dan Feeney. I know, big losses, right? And enormous losses. Herbig, they project, got a contract around $4 million, which over the cap believes will net the Jets a sixth-round pick next year. Mike White got a contract from Miami, about $4 million. That one will net the Jets a seventh-round pick, they project. And Dan Feeney got a contract of $3.25 million. They project that will also be a seventh-round pick. So when it comes down to it, Herbig will produce a sixth-round pick, according to Over the Cap. White will produce a seventh-round pick, and Feeney will produce a seventh-round pick. You believe Dan Feeney getting the Jets a compensatory pick? It's tough to believe. Now, obviously, these picks are not that big of a deal. When you get to round six and round seven... You know, you're not really talking about picks that are particularly valuable. I do think, however, Joe Douglas, the general manager, has shown you through the years that he's not afraid to trade late-round picks for players. So if we get to the end of training camp and maybe the Jets suffer an injury somewhere or maybe they're looking to address one of their holes, they might be willing to trade a pick. And while these picks are not technically awarded until next year, so the Jets can't trade any of these compensatory picks, I think knowing that they have these picks in their back pocket may make them a little bit more aggressive in seeking out a trade. Because even if they trade their own late-round pick next year, they'll know, you know what, we're getting three more late-round picks, so it's not a big deal. So this is kind of like money, even though the Jets technically can't trade them until next year, it's kind of like money in the bank, and it allows the Jets to be a little bit more aggressive in the trade market. 
when we're talking late round picks, I mean, my general view, and I think the analytics have played this, have proven this out. Every study I've ever seen suggests that you're almost always better off trading a late round pick if you can get a legitimate starter than you are keeping it, because the difference between a sixth and seventh round pick and what this player you can sign an undrafted free agency really not that great so and these are also picks the jets will get next year and after they receive them next year they will be able to trade them so those these are, again perhaps more tools for the jets next year in the offseason if they want to if, if they want to sit tight they'll be able to trade these picks next year if maybe a, a, the right player becomes available to them and of course having an extra late round pick is not a bad thing when you get to day three of the draft it's very difficult to find quality players it's really more, it's as it's much about quantity as it is quality. It's very difficult to evaluate prospects in any round, but especially when we get to the late rounds, your chances go up the more picks you have. And if you look through the league, some of the great franchises have done a great job exploiting the compensatory pick system. I really don't think the compensatory pick system is fair from the standpoint that the, almost everything the NFL does tries to make the bad teams better and weaken the good teams. And this is one of the rare exceptions because... The good teams are going to lose more free agents than they get the gain, and somehow the league rewards that. And if you look through the through the league, you know teams like Baltimore, New England, Green Bay, they have exploited the compensatory pick system to great effect. And it looks like the Jets finally, you know, Jets finally get a compensatory pick. It's been a long time. In fact, I, th- I believe the last time the Jets got a compensatory pick was 2017, and that's when they lost Snacks Harrison in 2016. And they did not do much with that pick. I believe they actually traded down a couple of times and. Snacks Harrison turned into Chad Hansen, I think Jeremy Clark, and Derek Jones. So you know, they really did not do much with that pick, but maybe they'll do a little bit better this time. Now, head here on the Lockdown Jets podcast. We'll close out this Tuesday episode. We'll continue to talk about some offseason housekeeping. Jets have a little bit of work to do with their salary cap. They've got to figure out a few things to fit some players in, including Aaron Rodgers. And we'll go into more detail as we continue this Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Jets podcast. Thank you again for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. Every day, or send in your mailbag questions. Tomorrow, we will have our weekly Locked On Jets mailbag. Today, we're talking about the offseason. Jets have a little bit of work to do with their salary cap in the days and weeks ahead. They need to sign their draft picks. Now, over the cap, again, a great, great salary cap website has all the salary cap information you could ever want. They estimate that the Jets need about a little under $9 million in cap space to sign their draft picks. And their current estimate is the Jets have just a little over $10 million in cap space. So you may say, well, they're in good shape then. Because, you know, they need about $9 million to sign their draft picks. They've got about $10 million. Well, it's not quite that simple. Well, for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're going to need to clear out some cap space once we get to the end of the preseason. Because your practice squad counts as against your salary cap. Beyond that, they'll need money to have just in case there are injuries during the season. In fact, last year, the Jets spent a lot of their caps. Jets had a lot of cap space heading into the season, had to spend an awful lot of it due to injuries. Uh, But also, there's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers needs to be fit into the salary cap. Before Rodgers was traded from Green Bay, the Packers restructured his contract, and the reasons they did that are not particularly interesting. But essentially, the Packers had to restructure his contract in order to avoid a big dead money hit, the Packers were going to. The Packers were hit with a forty million dollar dead money hit. It would have been more if they had not restructured that deal. And the way they restructured that deal essentially has Aaron Rodgers' current twenty twenty three cap hit at around one point one million dollars. That's quite a bargain, isn't it? 
you get Aaron Rodgers at around one point, or I think it's one point two. So Aaron Rodgers at one point two million dollars. That's not so bad, right? Well, his twenty twenty four cap hit is one hundred seven point six million dollars. So, you tell me, are you expecting Aaron Rodgers to play at one point two million dollars this year? I guess it's possible. Look, Aaron Rodgers may just say, "I've had enough money. Let's. I want to help the Jets win. I don't. You know what? I'm just here. I'm happy to be here." And in fairness, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is ever ever since he arrived here, seemed very excited to be a Jet. He seems very focused on trying to win the Super Bowl. So, who knows? I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I, I think the Jets are probably going to have to pay him more than one point two million dollars. Maybe he'll say, "You know what? I don't need that much more." I know he's not going to stay at one hundred seven point six million dollars for twenty twenty four. And most likely, I mean, I guess it, like it's possible. I guess there's an outside chance maybe he stays at 1.2 million. My guess is some of that 107.6 million is coming back to this year. And the Jets now that Rogers is with the Jets, the, you know, they don't they, they can restructure the deal again. My guess is that Rogers is probably going to play for something around you know the two year, the two year total is around 108, 109 million dollars. My guess is he'll probably play for somewhere around that over the two years, but more of that money is probably coming back this year. And the Jets can spread it out over the Jets can spread the cap it over multiple years, but odds are they're going to need, need to create cap space. And beyond that, they'll definitely need to create cap space for in-season signings. They'll need to create cap space for a practice squad. They need, I mean, they, the Jets will need to, to create some cap space. And there, there are lots of different ways they can do it. They've already restructured John Franklin Myers' contract twice this year. I don't think I've ever seen a player restructure his deal twice during one offseason. That's what the Jets have done. Uh, there are options. They could get rid of Corey Davis. They could get rid of Carl Lawson. I don't expect either. I definitely don't expect them to get rid of Lawson because that would really weaken the pass rush. It would be a strange move, I think, especially for a team that's trying to win this year. I also think the Jets need Davis. Now, both players are in the last year of their contract, so it's also possible they could get an extension or the Jets could add what are known as void years to the end of their contracts. And essentially what that would do is it would keep them on their same their current contracts. It's just they would be able to spread the cap hit to future years. So part of their cap hit would, would go away from this year and be on the Jets cap in 2024. Now, of course, they won't be here in 2024. The contract will expire, and that's the that's the drawback to void years, and that's why it's called a void year, because your contract is void by that point, but your player still counts against the salary cap. And there are other players who could restructure. I mean, you know, C.J. Mosley could restructure his deal. There, there are lots of different ways the Jets could get cap compliance. You do have to remember, though, each restructure means that you're adding cap to your future total. So for every restructure the Jets do... They're adding future. They're adding salary cap space to 2024 and beyond. So that's something to keep in mind as you try and manage your cap effectively. But Jets are going to need to do some work here. I'm assuming Rogers not playing at 1.2 million this year. Maybe I'm wrong. I know he's not playing at 107.6 million next year. So I'm assuming some of that 107.6 is coming back to 2023. I guess we'll wait and see. But either way, the Jets do have some work in front of them to get their salary cap situation in order. And we'll see what they do, but that's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoy the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. If you're listening on a podcast source, please give the show a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out, help other Jets fans find the podcast. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Send in your mailbag questions. Weekly mailbag tomorrow.